Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the House Divided podcast, uh, another special episode, the post-rivalry week edition. Jeremy, uh, how did you make it through? We made it through. It was, uh, thank, at least for me, thank God that, you know, football was sandwiched around uh, a couple hockey wins there that kind of helped cushion the blow just a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, we made it through. We're we're all okay. The state's alive. So, yes, it is. Um, it was, so we're we're gonna get to all those games, but first let's start with some news. Uh, this came out just today. Joey Hauser's waiver was denied by the NCAA. Uh, a lot of people thought he might be eligible starting January first, or well, not January first, but the second semester. Um, and he had a tweet or not a tweet, he put on Instagram last night until next year, and people didn't know how to interpret that. But it came out today he is officially ineligible for the 2019-20 season. And Tom Izzo, in protest of that, resigned from the NABC board. Uh, The only thing I found weird about Tom Izzo resigning from and protesting the decision was that at the very beginning of the process, he said he didn't expect him to get uh, declared eligible. And I understand being frustrated because there's no consistency, but it just felt weird to me that after saying at the beginning that he didn't expect anything to come out of it, and then when nothing ex- nothing came out of it, he's uh, resigning. What are all of your thoughts on that as a state fan? So, so we'll address the last part there. Uh, you'll learn, Brendan, once you know you finish school and you graduate. You sometimes get put on tasks at work that you don't like, but you try to do. <laughs> And so when you get the chance to say, like, for a principled reason, I'm resigning from this committee, oh, you take it. You take it. And I think that was, that's, that's how I read Tom. He's like, he's like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a principled stand here. And now he probably doesn't have to do, I don't know, maybe doesn't do a conference call every month. He gets some time back. Uh, that's, that's completely uh, And you're probably right. So, yeah, so that one I didn't even know how to read. But uh, I I always thought Hauser wasn't going to get uh, – I was pretty rare in my fan base of not really being rabid about pushing for Hauser to get it. Um, he seemed a pretty standard transfer, which I, I understand that. Uh, I also agree that kids shouldn't have to sit out. But as the rules written now, he really wasn't – he was not an extenuating circumstance. He could just take his year. Um, so – and I think in the long run – uh, especially, you know, with how the team's playing right now, I'll take the extra year of Joey Hauser, especially when next year we might need him even more. So, um, yeah, yeah, not too upset. Um, you know, I'm a fan of a top three team in the country right now. I'm not going to complain that we can't have one more fun part to play with, uh, especially with Tom Rizzo, who loves to just kind of throw, you know, throw hockey lines out there. Chasing mm-hmm. bus toilet with him might be okay. So, uh, I, yeah, not too upset about it. Uh, hurt for Joey if he did the appeal. You know, I'm sure he wanted to play this year. Um, but there's now the MSU thing. Thomas Kibier took his last year off of high school because of the athletic association, and now Joey Hauser will do the same. And uh, you know, he'll be okay. Yeah, it will be. And I have pretty much the same opinion, even from the rival uh, point of view. I Obviously, it seemed very much like he didn't really have a case 
but there are so many people that really don't have a case that are being granted waivers. I didn't really understand the decision either. Uh, and I just think we need to get rid of the rule that you have to sit out of here. It seems ridiculous and isn't really stopping anybody from transferring. So uh, take that as you will. But yes, Joey Hauser will be ineligible this year. Um, but it's uh, with recent developments of Malik Hall, we're not even sure how much we would need Joey Hauser, but we'll get to that in the last segment on basketball. Um, on the other side of things in basketball, Franz Wagner uh, still injured, but Josh, I'm not even going to pronounce his last name, starts with an H. Josh H. from the Michigan Insider um, put out a piece today uh, with a lot of good quotes from Phil Martelli on Franz Wagner. Didn't give an exact timetable for his return, but a couple of things of note is that when he does return, there will be no load management. They're not going to throw him back in until he's 100%. And just a lot of really high praise uh, for Franz from Phil Martelli saying he's a really good basketball mind and always has a smile on his face, which anybody who watched his brother play, that should be no surprise to you. So a couple of good things about Franz Wagner, and I really hope he's back for the battle for Atlantis. Not expecting it, but it would be a nice addition going into that stack tournament lineup. Sure, it'd be nice to see Michigan get their full uh, full lineup, so we can all get a, a feel of what year one's gonna look like under Juwan Howard. Um, so yeah, you know, I I think the Atlantis tournament's much better than Maui. So if Michigan could have their full full roster there, that'd be great. But I, I think I'm like you, I don't really expect them to be there. Yeah, it's crazy. Michigan is on the easy side of the bracket, and they would have to play North Carolina in a semifinal if they beat Iowa State. The hard side of the bracket contains Gonzaga, Oregon, and Seton Hall. It is a really stacked tournament, um, and we will be delivering previews for both the Maui Invitational and the Battle for Atlantis on a Sunday episode this week. Um, Small note. Michigan's men's and women's soccer made the NCAA tournament this year. First time since 2012 that has happened. The women play against Texas Tech, I believe, Friday. Uh, in the second round, they previously beat Bowling Green in a come-from-behind 2-1 win in the first round. And the men will play the winner of Notre Dame Wright State at home on Sunday. So just wanted to – we've been updating you along this ride for – soccer and i'll just keep giving you updates they may both made it to the ncaa tournament so pretty big year for the michigan soccer program um yeah that's, that's about it for that um in our last piece of news which kind of transitions into the michigan michigan state football game uh mark d'antonio said at a press conference in the last few days he will be michigan state's football coach in 2020 um this obviously comes after the 44 to 10 loss to Michigan. I think a lot of people expected this and anybody who didn't expect this was probably being uh, hopeful. Is that kind of where you lie on it? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, there was certainly a part of me on Saturday um, that would be okay if it if he stepped away, <laughs> uh, was not impressed with really anything that went on Saturday, um, from a, from a lot of perspectives. But, uh, once I kind of got to calm down a little bit and it got to, you know, Tuesday, 
you know, as I as I shifted my anger to Matt Nagy uh, and the Chicago Bears, so I could <laughs> get it all off of Mark. Um, I, you know, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I would hate to see. If nothing else, I want to be a petty bitch, and I don't want to give Michigan the satisfaction of saying they force his ass to retire. So, sure, come back another year, I guess. Um, <laughs> and on top of that, like we talked about before, it's just I don't want Bill Beekman doing a search for the most important coaching department. Um, you know, I, we can try and class it up and say that Izzo was a part of the hiring committee that did Mark Antonio, and they like it search firms you can use it it could go okay but uh, it's the most important hire you're going to make in your athletic department and i really am kind of scared of an Izzo d'antonio having too much say on the replacement whenever d'antonio goes so i'm okay with uh waiting it out until a new ad happens um you know at this point i uh i won't say i was in b poem like you <laughs> uh but I to get myself back to normal just had to say you know what there's a lot going on at MSU that they need to fix first if we can have stability in the football program even if it doesn't win as many games as uh, you know the very emotional crowd on Twitter wants I'm okay with that if it means that the other stuff's getting fixed so um, chance that I'm excited uh, just because we don't know anything uh, but if he goes out and he does something like Clay Helton did and hires an offensive coordinator that's exciting like Graham Harrell, I would be right back in. So I'd love to see him go more CEO, uh, take himself out of uh, a little bit and just kind of look around and look at the landscape and see where football's moved. But at the minimum, at least I don't have to feel like we just made a hire that's going to have to stay for at least two to three years, you know. Yeah, and that's a very adult take of you, especially uh, <laughs> about the the whole grand scheme of things of Michigan State. And yeah, we can dive into it. This could be a whole episode topic later in the year, so we're not going to get, get into that much more. Uh, now it's time to get to the actual game itself, the football one, of course. Michigan wins 44-10 to 10, uh, in a game where – Outside of the false hope first quarter that we expected, there was never really much hope for Michigan State. Um, Shea Patterson was excellent, throwing for over 360, 70 yards, four touchdowns. Couldn't really get the run game established, but I'm not sure they even really tried. Uh, The offense looked fantastic for Michigan, and Michigan State still, outside of a couple scripted drives, didn't really look like a competitive top tier football team as and it's been I know it's been a rough month and a half um what are your just your surface level thoughts from Saturday uh I think any hope MSU had and I'm not saying that this one player made a difference but just so Mike Ricasmo of how the season goes second play of the game Josiah Scott takes a knee to the head and he's out and <laughs> you're already just sitting there going like yep that's about right. The one decent corner that we've had this year, who he's had his struggles uh, and maybe not been as good as we hoped, but, you know, the one decent corner on a defense that's already down Joe Bocci and second play, he's gone. It just, you know, at no point, even after scoring the first touchdown, did I get myself to like, oh, we could win this game. It was like, oh, maybe we could cover. 
you know, it, it just uh, you knew that you knew that Michigan was going to get their points. Um, and at that point, you just wanted to not get embarrassed. But unfortunately, the coaching staff and the players losing control of their emotions became super embarrassing. So they couldn't even and save you from that pain. Uh, you know, things like being down 17, I believe, and after trying to go forward on a fourth and one and taking a false start, deciding you're going to punt when you're down 17 to your rival. What happened uh, on that, that punt? <laughs> oh, they deserve getting that punt blocked. Uh, and for the second year in a row, we have a special team that's in the hundreds. So that's fantastic. Uh, you know, that's one coach that I hope is uh, is good to go. Um, but, yeah, there's just it, – it, again, like we talked about before last week, we talked about it on our episode about, you know, where we're at with the coaching search or kind of how you feel. It's like it's just helpless. Like, what are we going to do? You have a coach who doesn't want to have a 21st century offense um, and wants to play really slow methodical football, but then at the same time can't care enough to have a fucking special teams coach that knows what he's doing. So I, I, what are you going to do? You, you can't win on defense because the defense has finally just decided that they're broken beyond repair. Uh, and you, you, you coached scared. You coached to not get blown out, and you got blown out. Um, I think my anger outside of what the players were doing when you have the cheap shots and the stupid penalties that they took outside of that, most of my anger was just, yeah, they, their coaches just gave about the least amount of effort they could for the day. Uh, and that's frustrating for a guy that says that everything's about the Michigan game and that's going to be his number one. Um, you can say it this year it wasn't because that was not an A-plus effort. Yeah, and uh, see, I, I didn't even notice the effort thing. I just have a couple of things. I'm going to bring the mood of this podcast up, probably not for any Michigan State. <laughs> but that sequence of drawing the false start, and by the way, that was, you know, you can call it a mistake, but that move, uh, that's a Don Brown move where he literally just oh, yeah. screams move and all four linemen shift. In a, in a big house that was very loud and very happy to see Michigan State being pummeled. Um, it, it sucks, but and I feel bad for the kid. But the fault start, followed by the Khalid Cudson punt block, followed by immediately going deep to Nico Collins for a touchdown, is my new favorite sequence to ever happen in this rivalry. Um, <laughs> and, and it's a lot of demons being exercised for me, just having to watch specifically those 2013 and 14 games, I never thought I was ever going to get to see Michigan blow a D'Antonio team out. And I know that all Michigan fans called last year's game a blowout because statistically it was, but it wasn't this type of game. And uh, so so this was a very freeing experience because every year we go in, Michigan fans would go into this game and have the same attitude of being scared and whether or not it's valid, I think that disappeared on Saturday. Um, the other point I wanted to get to, because you talked about the cheap shots in players playing with their emotions. I heard a couple state fans saying that it was a little bit soft that Jacob, and I can't pronounce his last name, I think it's Panashuk. Is that it? Yep. Yep. People saying it was a little soft that he got thrown out 
um, which I didn't expect to hear anybody say outside of like the RCMB type things. Right. Um, did, did you think that well, was valid too? So I'll be 100% honest. Uh, I did not turn the game off. I don't know where I was. I actually never saw the play. So um, I, will, I can't speak too much to the play, but I also can think that even if you want to argue anything at that point is borderline, if you're doing even a borderline cheap shot in a game where one team is blowing out the other, the correct thing to do as a referee is to kick someone out. Um, because if you let it go, the next one's not going to be borderline. Uh, so I, I think that was referring to the score at minimum, and I'm okay with that. Um, okay. See, yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, it does you no good. And you and I come from hockey, too, where we see that all the time, right? You yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a four-goal game. It's late. You know, you're it, not really – a check that gets delivered might not be kicked out in a one-goal game or even a penalty in a one-goal game. But in a late game, you're just like, no, you were taking a run. That's what yeah. you were doing. Yeah. And, and whether you pulled off the run that you wanted to pull off or not, I know what you were doing. And and that's the way I would look at it. Like, even if you want to argue that the hit isn't that cheap, he knows what he's doing at that point in the game. And you know what's happening. And you know what? If you're actually going to say that you're a good mission safe fan, you don't want that happening to Lewerke on the next series. So, or, or a response to it at all. So, Take the take him missing the. He doesn't even have to miss the first half of his game. So what's the problem? Just take the take the L on it. It was a crappy move. Uh, you know, be more upset at your own kid, not the fact that you got kicked out. That's just petty. Yeah, and a, it yeah, and that, that's all we'll talk about the refereeing and everything. Because at the end of the day, this is just if you take the team names off of it, this was an upper tier Big Ten team taking care of business against a mid to lower tier big 10 team. And so therefore the refereeing doesn't really matter and all that stuff. Um, so let's just get in then what this means for Michigan. And then we'll, after that, you can do what it means for Michigan state um, for Michigan. The offense looked awesome against a defense that has been playing not great, but still pretty solid football. And the sample size is big enough to be happy now with Josh Gaddis's development over the year. We are now 10 games into the season and the beginning was very rough and it was frustrating, but he has developed as a play caller where you're seeing he, he knows how to take advantage of a defense against Notre Dame. He was pounding the rock and they got over 300 yards rushing. And now against Michigan state, he was using a lot of RPOs, and throwing the ball a lot, getting shade of 370 yards. Uh, so that's really encouraging to see. Um, the, this offense looks really good. And I, I had a tweet earlier, and a lot of people have noticed the same thing. But credit to Jim Harbaugh, and maybe we should all remember this when coaches say things sometimes, they do get to see infinite more of their team than we do we get a very small sample size and when they're watching them at practice they get a much larger one after the Iowa game where Michigan beats Iowa 10 to 3 Jim Harbaugh said the offense is hitting its stride and he got laughed at rightfully so they just scored 10 points in a whole game against Iowa since that game 
They have only failed to reach 400 yards once. They have averaged in those five games 429 yards and 38 points. And they haven't played a bunch of bottom-tier teams. Three of those defenses are in the top 25 of SP+. Uh, Being Penn State has a number 12 defense. Um, Notre Dame has a number 21. And Michigan State has a number 17. So this offense is here. And they they look real to me. It's, It's gone past fluky, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think uh, you can say it's too fluky. I think the issue—it's uh, not really an issue. But I think the the other downside for Michigan always is going to be that, unfortunately, Harbaugh. This is the stretch where they've made runs before, and it all comes down to one game at the end of the year. So um, it is, but that that November record matters because people love to bring up the November thing, and. Unless he drops one to Indiana, even if you lose one to an Ohio State team that mm-hmm. looks like they're the best in the country and one of the best college football teams in a while, um, it, then that still means something, I think. And we'll get into all the – you know, no, I'll just say it now. Uh, if you Michigan State fans want to enjoy anything, be happy because I have false hope about the Ohio State game. And you might get to hear an absolute disaster on the Sunday after. So that's cool for you guys. Um, I mean, I mean, I know, I know it's false hope and I know that it's very likely Michigan's going to go into that game and take one on the chin, but man, I got to tell you what Michigan's offense looks really good. The defense looks like they're finally coming to form. They're fifth in the nation per SP plus. I know that Ohio state, is insanely good but like what if that was all urban meyer and maybe ryan day can't just get him jacked like urban could i don't know i i have actual hope i've been i've been putting together scenarios in my mind of not the playoff i see in michigan fans do that on twitter knock it off we're not going to the playoff no matter what happens if we go 10 and 2 get that out of your brain but the rose bowl however <laughs> I'm kind of putting those scenarios in my head if we go 10 and 2 about the Rose Bowl. So that's where oh, I am. So it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. <laughs> oh, I did this last hurt. year, too, and the year before. Well, not the year before. The year before we went into that game knowing John O'Corn was the starting quarterback, and I had no hope until we were up 14 to 0 in the second quarter. Oh, man. It's going to hurt. It's gonna I, hurt. I, I'm speechless beyond that. <laughs> it's gonna hurt, man. It's, I know. I know. Because it's, it's like, only gonna go one of two ways. It's either that you're gonna get false hope during the game and it's gonna be a heartbreaking loss, or they're gonna blow you out again. It's, it's gonna hurt. Or they're gonna win and I'm gonna get to rush the field. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, you need to do a live pod if they win. Oh man, you'll I'll I'll throw my AirPods in and you can call me while I'm on the field with a bunch of drunk Michigan students and uh, yeah, I think we need to do a live pod regardless. The three thirty start time against Maryland complicates that, but yeah, um, let let's just we can we can make fun of me for being excited about Ohio State a week from today, but uh, I will say that it's, it's 
it's not as ridiculous as I think. I think you have a better shot than like Penn State this weekend. Like I'll say that. I agree. Um, I think. I think Michigan is a better team than Penn State, and I know they only played once and Penn State won, but I'm telling you, at a neutral site, the way Michigan's playing right now, I think they win. But I'll digress. What did this game mean for Michigan State? Uh, you know, to me, it was just, I don't want to go on Twitter. That was, like, all it meant to me. Um, because, you know, for, for me personally, like I try and uh, try and change up the uh, the view of MSU as like really little brother behavior and petty and everything like that. I just knew that Michigan fans with impunity were going to be the most petty bitches, and they were all over Twitter um, all day Saturday. And like, because like my thing is, as an MSU fan, you really we're stupid if you went in there thinking they could beat Michigan. So, so I wasn't upset from that perspective. Um, the the anger was really, like I said, if it if the whole game played out the way the first half did, I don't think I would have even been upset. Uh, most of the anger was just that in that second half, the coaches quit. And there's no other way to say it. They weren't even trying – to not win the game, but not even make the game respectable. And there's no excuse to that for me. Um, so it put a lot of, uh, it just, you, that's all, you know, that's the one lesson that I've always loved with my dad is that uh, he never wrote to me if I had a bad game, but he ripped the hell out of me if I had a bad shift and where I looked like I just wasn't trying. Um, and that's how, I kind of go about it. I don't really care if we win, lose, ugly, bad, whatever. Uh, if I can point to things and say that, like, you aren't quitting, I'm okay with it. And this one wasn't even the kids. It was straight up, I think the coaches quit, and they don't like their functioning as a unit. Um, and so I'm okay with Antonio playing back. But it's, for me, it basically meant that the all an MSU fan has to look for right now is the press conference after – a bowl game, like the one that's like the state of the program one or two weeks after, if we're in a bowl game. If not, it's, you know, two weeks after the Maryland game because uh, that is going to be the most important thing for the future of MSU football is are we once again talking about moving decks, you know, moving chairs on the deck of the Titanic or are we actually making changes? Yeah, and I think this is a more important one because I think this year it's just contracts coming up instead of you would have to fire them. So I don't know if that – that would be telling if a bunch of people on this staff get renewed. Um, yeah, it, yeah there, it would. It would be a dumpster fire. Um, so that moves – oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. It would be hard to – it would be – it would – at this point, it would be a thing. There would be such a mass non-renewal season tickets. It, it would get real ugly very quickly. Yeah, yeah, it would. Um, any other any other thoughts going into before we uh, start previewing? No, I think you know, like I said, I think for an MSU, like from a football perspective, there just wasn't much you could take out of it. Um, the freshman receivers continue to struggle. If you're looking for some positivity, I still think the freshman linemen held their own pretty well, uh, which is really shocking when you play 
you know, a team with the talented defense like Michigan. Um, so that's good. Uh, you know, but they're just – there wasn't even little things like putting Theo Day in to see if you can get excited about the future of the quarterback. Like That was weird to me. Between that... the coaching staff and just really nothing jumping out about any single player, uh, there just wasn't any positive to take. And so they, they didn't give you anything – uh, to even try and find a silver lining. Yeah. And um, before we get to the uh, football previews, I would just like to throw an update from a news item we talked about earlier. Michigan will be playing Wright State on Sunday in the NCAA tournament for soccer. Uh, they beat Notre Dame. So that's cool. Um, now, on to something. Yeah. Uh, now, on to something gross. Michigan State travels to New Jersey to play Rutgers on Saturday. Um, do you have anything to preview this with? I mean, like. I have to be honest, thankfully. I know nothing about Rutgers. <laughs> um, Consider yourself uh, lucky. Yeah, I don't know anything about Rutgers at all to really uh, have much to preview. And the, you know, whether D'Antonio is 100% back in 2020 or not. This is an important game to show that they have any type of pride at all. Because um, you can talk a lot this week about a similar situation in 2012, going to Minnesota at five and six and needing to win a game in late November in Minnesota where, you know, if you lose, you're miss a bowl, but if you win, all you get is just kind of a mediocre bowl. Um, and they played one of their best games of the season, showed a lot of heart, all of that stuff uh, that, you know, MSU fans love to talk about. <laughs> um, but that's going to have to be shown for the next two weeks against two teams you should beat, even after you've lost five in a row. Uh, you need to show that you haven't completely just quit. And so that's the reason that I'm watching for Saturday. And, you know, I'll make fun of it ahead of time, but to be honest, I won't even care that it's Rutgers. Seeing my team win a football game for the first time since September 28th would be really, really nice. <laughs> so I will take it. I don't care that it's Rutgers. I just want to have a Saturday where I don't get to be miserable over the results of a football game. Yeah, and that's completely understandable. Like, Michigan fans can um, poke as much fun at that and make as many jokes as they want. Um, as they should. <laughs> as they should, yeah. But – you know, that's what it comes down to, and you just want to see your team win. I am trying to look up their schedule. So, yeah, Rutgers has to play Penn State in the last week of the season. I just want you to know, then, that they are going to see this as their only winnable game left on their schedule. This is their this is their Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, well, Penn State's probably more of a rival, too do that whole New Jersey and, like, Eastern Pennsylvania thing. But yeah, I know. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, MSU is winnable. But, yeah. but let's remember that in the 3-9 and nine season, uh, MSU blew out Rutgers 49-0 at the end of the year just like this. So That's true. That 3-9 and nine season was also the year that Michigan beat them 78-0. to zero. Um, It was. Rutgers just scored 21 on Ohio State. That is something we have to talk about. Oops. Um. They have, Rutgers have scored the most points on Ohio State of any Big Ten team all year. 
any oh any, any team, team period and yeah you, and you know this who is... they pass to get that honor right who that was would be michigan Kevin? state it was michigan state yeah take a look at the scores i i am 99 sure on this that michigan state had the most points scored against ohio state before that game no, I'm pretty sure week one, Lane Kiffin and the FAU Owls uh, got 21 and lost 45-21. Oh, man. I think it was just big 10 minutes, someone told me. Uh, yeah, either way, uh, Ohio State still has only trailed this year to Miami of Ohio. Um, 5-0. I, yeah, and uh, I'm not sure. They, I haven't, I didn't watch a second of it. Well, okay, I lied. I watched like a second of this game when it was 14 nothing two minutes in because uh, it was just funny. But uh, from what I understand, Ohio State took this like a scrimmage and it was very much a scrimmage of like second, second string was in before the end of the first half, uh, things like that. So I'm hoping that's how Rutgers got 21 points. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can't believe I, that's not fair. I thought Ohio State covering 52 would be easier, better this season, and it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know, but that's pretty funny. So, yeah, that's our Michigan State Rutgers preview, everybody. That's their <laughs> Super Bowl, Brendan. The 21 points against Ohio State is their Super Bowl. That's true. That's true. Um, speaking of teams that are going to be playing in what seems like their Super Bowl, Indiana takes on Michigan. And I know this isn't really Indiana Super Bowl, but come on, they've lost like 35 straight. And they have to be eyeing this as Michigan's game in between an emphatic win over a hated rival right before a game with another hated rival that they haven't beat in eight years. Indiana has to be going into this thinking like, this is our chance. This is our chance. And a lot of people... Uh, if, if they weren't, Shea Patterson gave them a reason. Yeah, they did. Uh, they said, he, Shea Patterson said they got eyes on Ohio State. He said, and I quote, we have Indiana next week, but our eyes are on Ohio State. <laughs> Not yeah, a great it was quote. even worse before that quote, because that was when he kind of caught himself. Uh, before that, he said, we have one game left to win. Um, uh, uh, and then he kind of caught himself. He kind of caught himself saying, like, no, no, no. Like, no, like, I know we have Indiana and then Ohio State. But yeah, he, and then he caught himself, and then he threw, him back, threw himself back in by saying, <laughs> we, we know we have Indiana, but we still have an eye on him. <laughs> Which I know he's probably true. He's not lying, and it's okay. They can still beat Indiana despite looking at it a little bit. Here's the uh, thing, though. But not a great look, Shay. Not a great look. You're a senior. You know Indiana is 20th in SP+. They are – they have the 13th ranked offense and the 34th ranked defense. This is a team that I'd be nervous for this game, even if it was like three and seven Indiana. I am really nervous for this game now that it's seven and three Indiana. Uh, I in, in the end, I think Michigan wins this game. Um, I think the offense is looking too good, uh, and. I don't know, man. It just scares me that this team is looking ahead to Ohio State. The only upside out of this is, yes, it will be horrible, and I will be very upset if they lose to Indiana. Um, but, like, at least if it were to happen any year, the year where we're already out of Big Ten contention would be optimal. But, yeah, I'm nervous for this game. Can I make you not like that? 
this is not a game where I think a couple weeks ago they had to play like Maryland. And I said, you got to keep the momentum going. You got to beat the hell out of them. Nah, not today, not Saturday. Just win the game. Win the game and get out of Bloomington. And I don't care how it happens. Genuinely, not at all. As long as we have every – If you want to be afraid – if you want to be more afraid, just keep in mind, if you lose to Indiana, that's a transitive loss to Michigan State. That would be the biggest win in Michigan State's year. (laughs) Indiana is 100% without any joke the biggest win. Uh, And then I guess we could throw the transitive win on there if we want. But, uh, yeah, it is – yeah, I, I don't know. It, it feels like this should be a game in Indiana, both from a fan perspective and everything else, is very, very amped for and treats it like the biggest thing of their season. It just, it just feels like they're catching machine at the wrong time. Uh, despite Shea Patterson's quote post game, I think Michigan will be focused, will uh, keep their eye on what's right ahead of them. Um, and Harbaugh is a pretty good coach at that too. So I think I think you guys will be fine. Uh, but it it will be funny to watch the nervousness probably about the mid second quarter when the game is still close. Uh, that could be a little bit enjoyable. That's the thing though. Like this is a road game against a top twenty five team. Indiana last week went to Happy Valley, and if they don't have the worst fake punt in NCAA football history, um, then it's a one like a one score game and they're driving at the end. They they gave Penn State a game. And I know that it's the week before Penn State played Ohio State, so you can factor it in. Well, I guess that doesn't help because that's directly comparable. Um so, so yeah, it feels kind of a, like a game. It feels like a game where it's like seventeen to three in the second quarter, Indiana's beating Michigan and uh and then Michigan just scores like thirty in so you're saying it feels exactly like last year's Michigan Northwestern game. Cause I was actually interestingly enough about to say that. Um, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like to me. It feels like they're going to come out super, super, super amped, get up on Michigan early, but they're just not. And, but Michigan knows that if they just hang in there, uh, they're going to get their points. They're going to crawl back into like, you're not going to make Michigan sweat and make mistakes. Uh, so even if they fall down early, they know that by the end of the game, that's all that matters. And it just kind of feels like one of those games to me. Yeah. And, uh, one last fun fact before we get to big 10 against the spread, um, Jim Harbaugh has never, has zero regulation wins in Bloomington, Indiana, since he came to Michigan, they have been there twice and they have both went to overtime. So yeah, this should be fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to enjoy it, but I think you're going to be happy with the end. Yeah. And that brings us to Big Ten against the spread. And I am going to just be happy because uh, I won last week only because Damn. we took the early uh, – the like very early. We had to record on a Sunday. So we got the early spread where Northwestern was a 38-point favorite. They eventually finished at a 40-point favorite. I still would have picked them. However, they covered the 38 and would not have covered the 40. They won by 39 points. So I'll take that victory. Don't care how you do it. Uh, That's okay. I won real money on that game by taking your math. So we'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll sleep at night knowing that I won real money on that game uh, 
Uh, and it was the most fun I've ever had watching the Mavs on game, I'm sure. Yeah. So that brings us to this week's games. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games this weekend. Uh, we've taken a lot of time on this football segment, so we're going to go a little bit rapid fire. Uh, Minnesota minus 13 and a half against Northwestern. I'll go first. I'm going to take Minnesota to cover easily. Same thing. Northwestern's bad. Uh, Minnesota uh, bounces back from losing to Iowa. Uh, they put up a ton of yards last week just to finish their drive to the red zone. They do that this week. Yeah. Now the big one at noon, Penn State at Ohio State. This is a top 15 matchup. Ohio State is an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, you can go first this time. Uh, Take the Buckeyes. I do not – everyone probably knows by this point my feelings on Penn State, uh, and I just – I think Ohio State just smashes them. I'm actually going to take Penn State to cover. Um, so, fun fact is Ohio State, the week before the Michigan game, is like 1-3, 1-4 against the spread lately. Um, this game is for the division. It is for the division. I still think Ohio State's looking ahead a little bit here to Michigan, and I think that lets Penn State stay within striking distance. Uh, so I'm going to take Penn State to cover 18.5, but still probably lose by two scores. Um, our next game is Illinois at Iowa. Iowa is a 15.5-point favorite at home a week after upsetting Minnesota and ruining their undefeated season. I'm taking Illinois here to cover a 15-and-a-half-point spread. I don't. I think this game is actually going to be fairly close. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't feel like Iowa can string two really good performances in a row together. Yeah, I'll take uh, – I'll ride with Bobby Smith. Uh, same, same thing. I, Illinois is also thrown off. I believe they had a bye last week, so – uh, plenty of time to scheme up for Kirk Ferentz, which should only take about 20 minutes. So, go <laughs> Illinois. Yeah, I don't think they win, but I, I don't think they're going to lose by more than 15 points. Uh, brings us to Michigan State at Rutgers. Uh, go go ahead, Jeremy. What's your pick? Oh, Michigan State, 20-and-a-half uh, point favorite. 20-and-a-half, yeah. Uh, I'll take MSU. I know it's silly to probably do that, but um, – you know, that 49-0 game on a 3-9 and team, uh, Rutgers is just so bad. I, I think even if it just takes a late touchdown to go from a 14-point win to a 21, uh, I think MSU covers. I'll be rooting for Rutgers for the memes, but I think uh, Michigan State covers handily. Um, this feels like a thing where they lost five in a row, but it was a super tough schedule. And the one game that wasn't tough, Illinois is looking better uh, than previously thought. Rutgers is real bad. And this just has a feel of something. I think Michigan State's going to cover, and they're going to get to a bowl game fairly easily. So that brings us Yeah, and I think, you know, if you think about that Illinois game, too, you know, it's 28-3 to early. Uh, if they get out on Rutgers like that, Rutgers isn't coming back. So, yeah. you know, I guess that's kind of my reason, too, that they can play like they did the – most of the first half against Illinois, which they showed that they are capable of doing, um, they, they'll get a lead on Rutgers that, unlike Illinois, Rutgers cannot come back from. I agree completely. Nebraska, a five-point road favorite against Maryland. I'm taking Nebraska. I don't get that line. 
Yeah, me neither. You're taking Nebraska. I am. You know, Maryland is really bad. And I don't know why. I Nebraska is officially playing for their bowl eligibility. And I don't know. I think they win by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm going to take Maryland. Um, and I think I'm going to take Maryland to win outright. I That's how little I think of Scott Frost right now. Uh, I, you know, I, I follow a lot of Nebraska people, so maybe I'm being poisoned by their negativity that is coalescing with my own fan base's negativity. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, this is uh, – they're a bad team. They were talking that they might not even have a two-deep uh, last week for their game. So, yeah, I'll take Maryland uh, to shock the world, I guess, and by the world, I mean the seven people who were there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you get this one first. Michigan, a nine and a half point favorite on the road at Indiana. Uh, what What do you got? That's a lot of points. Uh, like I talked about, I thought Indiana will come out on fire, um, but I still haven't heard. I don't believe Watt Hillier is going to play. Uh, feels like Indiana can can use all that emotion to shock Michigan system a little bit. Um, but once they have Michigan's attention, Michigan just pulls away, uh, probably wins in like the 14 to 17 range. So uh, I'll take the Wolverines. I'm taking Indiana to cover. Again, I think Michigan's going to win the game, but I do not trust them to win by 10 against a pretty solid Indiana team. So, yeah, I'm taking Indiana. And this brings us to our last game, which I feel like we're going to agree on, is Purdue at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin is a 24 and a half point favorite at home. Uh, I've I've got the Badgers covering easily. Yeah, same thing. I don't think Purdue has the uh, they don't have the horses this year to to find a way to just scare Wisconsin enough. Uh, it'll probably be a processing. And that brings us to the end of against the spread. Uh, only one more week after this, and then we're in the bowl season. Um, so for those following along, the ones we disagreed on is I had Penn State covering at Ohio State. Uh, I also had Nebraska covering again at Maryland, and Jeremy has Michigan covering at Indiana. That brings us to – it's weird. It says hockey in the notes, but I don't think Michigan and Michigan State played this weekend. They canceled, I think, for some reason. Uh, Brendan, Michigan State played hockey. I don't know what the hell Michigan is doing, <laughs> but – uh, Michigan State uh, played hockey out there. Yeah, they you did. Know, uh, that was uh, you. I you know I give you all the credit in the world. You tried to tell me that the Michigan power play was booty, and I was like, oh, no, it's Michigan. They have some good players. They can't be that bad. Brendan, that power play is booty. It's bad. What What did I What did I say about the Michigan power play in our notes? In like our notes of right now, yeah, it's a wet part. Oh yeah, yeah that's what I oh, called yeah. it, and it's true. They have gone five games without scoring a power play goal. That is ridiculous. That is unacceptable. <laughs> How does that happen? They're going to New Hampshire this weekend. I, I, and I'm gonna be honest. I didn't even talk about a preview in our notes for it because I know nothing about University of New Hampshire, and at this point. Our non-conference doesn't matter because an at-large bid is not happening. Um, and I don't even feel confident they're going to be able to get a power play goal out there. It, was, it is horrible. It is horrendous. 
I know they don't have a ton it's, of talent, but like, come on, man, come on. Brendan, let's let's start off before you build a house. You got to put one brick down. I think your goal should be to get a shot on a power play. Oh, that'd okay. be a start. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that'd be a start. It, it was, would be a start. I don't. You know, the thing about it is when you watch enough hockey, you just find that sometimes your power play is just not going. It's just not clicking. You start to get tense. You start to overthink it. Guys make one too many passes or, you know, they try and carry the puck by themselves on a zone entry when they know they should dish it off. But it's just, just guys are forcing things. And I didn't really see that from Michigan. The thing I saw from Michigan was just no urgency. They just kind of all sit on the perimeter. They move the puck around, and you're not even forcing the penalty kill to work because they just know you're not coming to the middle, uh, and you're just going to pass it around, and then you're going to shoot a shot into someone's shin pad. And it was just – it's so weird to see because then you watch – Michigan has always been known for on the penalty kill. They are super aggressive. I've always loved the way that they kill penalties, and they still do that, and they do that pretty well. So it's just amazing to watch. Half your special teams is just go, 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 go. It's high energy. And then your power play is just stagnant. And I don't understand how that can happen at this point in the season. If that's happening, you've got to be taking guys off the power play, putting someone new on, give anyone a chance. You think? Because it just, it was brutal to watch from a, not from a, like, you know, obviously we enjoy being your rival. We enjoy MSU. That's an MSU thing, killing penalties. But if I was a neutral observer, it's just like there's no creativity on this power play. And, and that's something that I would not have expected from Michigan, a team that just a couple of years ago, not only would they score every power play, they would score in the first 30 seconds of a power play. They would win the face off, and the puck would never touch anyone else's the other team's stick, and they were just working around until they had a backdoor play that was perfect. And yeah, now gonna, they just passed it around the corner. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and attribute that to the uh, talent that was playing at the time. That's fair. That's uh, totally because fair. I, this is a very talent-barren roster right now. Um I'll get into it later, but uh, I'm not even going to get into it. I'll just say it now. We have talent on the way next year. Uh, Corey Pronman released his, like, early, early, uh, like, stuff for the 2021 NHL draft, and three Michigan players who are on their way next year are in the top 11. So talent's on the way because of just because of how hockey recruiting. I think it's his first real class. doesn't come in until next year just because of the way hockey recruiting. I will. I will tell you, though, it's also because the way hockey recruiting works. Uh, you guys got to start getting some things right here because those could become some battles. Um, not in a decommit, go play college hockey elsewhere away. No, it, but, they'll, they'll go to the O or they'll go somewhere. I, I know. Yeah, um, they got to quote the deal. That's an important thing for Michigan the rest of the way here. If you don't make an NCAA, NCAA tournament, that's I mean, it's not okay, but that's not what's going to keep them in the boat, but they've got to start getting more competitive uh, so that the NHL team who drafts these kids can trust. Yep, I trust them to Michigan. They're going to develop there. Because uh, right now, I bet trust has to be evaporating quicker than one would want to admit. Well, so the upside is that 
the three players, at least the three I was referring to, won't be drafted by the time they get to campus. They, I think they're all playing. Um, I could be wrong. But uh, Luke Hughes, I think it's for sure. He's a lock to come to Michigan in my mind. We, yeah, we, still for sure come. We, we could make a whole episode about this, and maybe we will. We have lots of offseason stuff that we can talk about later. But um, well, let's get back to this series. The, the Michigan yeah. power play is bad, and we've established that. Outside of a couple bad hits the other way, this wasn't too chippy of a series. Um, it, there was a couple things from the Krieger brothers where I didn't – I don't like <laughs> them. And that's I should, part of the course, baby. That's what they're yeah, there for. Yeah, I know. And I know that. And um, outside of a couple things from that, it wasn't too chippy. Uh, the thing I wanted to highlight here, at the second intermission – I was of the first game. Michigan was up 3-2. Right. They had a, lead, a heavy lead and shot on goal. And really should have been up 3-1. That was a terrible goal to give up. It was a bad goal to give up and a, fairly, and a very friendly bounce, too. So it was just – Yes, absolutely. So it should have been 3-1, but you go in there 3-2. And I'm on my way to being like, man, if they finish – if they play a good third period, this is the most complete performance Michigan has had all year. And that's genuinely how I felt. They had a nearly flawless first two periods. And then they came out in the third period and started by, with Dakota Raby passing the puck to Patrick Kotarenko for a wide open chance in the slot, which eventually and led. That's not hyperbole. That is, he put it on his stick. Yeah. He, that was a tape, tape. To pay, tape to tape pass. And then MSU just took that and they were flawless for four straight periods, a 6 0 run. And that, if yeah. that, that is just incredibly deflating. And I know the college hockey season is long, and we have a long way to go, but that it, it's really deflating to play a really good first two periods at home and then follow it up with whatever that last was. Yeah, I mean, a 6-0 run and Michigan in the third period of a game where you come into the third up 3-2 to two, at home, you get outshot. Last time I heard was 12 to 5. But I don't know if that was what the final count was, but at some point in the third, it's 12 to 5 shots against. Uh, you know, just no answer. Um, and then, yeah, Saturday, Saturday, the score is 3 nothing. I think Michigan played better than it wasn't like a 3 nothing domination. Michigan had chances to score, they didn't finish. Uh, John Luffman played a really good game and net for MSU. He's kind of finding himself right now and rolling just a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing to sit there after the game and look at the standings and, you know, in the big 10, it's, it is easy to get yourself up the standings quite a bit. I mean, you're playing for three points every night, but MSU with games in hand on Michigan uh, has a pretty big point lead. And, you know, it's to the point now where Michigan almost, before the calendar puts on November, uh, will need to outpace Michigan State by basically 14 to 16 points the rest of the way to not finish behind them. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's getting bad fast for Michigan here. Not that I'm like, I don't think anyone's worried about their job or anything like that, but uh, this could spin. And so this is an important weekend that they're going to have in New Hampshire, uh, regardless of it not helping the Big Ten standings. I think 
you know, they just need to get some confidence. Because yeah, there can't be much in that room. They need something, anything, really. Um, I I don't know. So we'll get into what this means for Michigan, and then we'll get into what this means for Michigan State. Um, really, I already covered on most of my points. Any hope for an at-large bid are gone. You are already sitting here before Thanksgiving looking at you're probably – if you want to make it to the NCAA tournament, you're probably going to need to win the Big Ten playoffs. Um and then you're also probably going to finish in the basement. Me and you were having this discussion last weekend, and Wisconsin looks pretty bad too, which is absolutely insane with the amount of talent they have. But it's probably going to be between Michigan and Wisconsin for who gets the sixth and seventh spot. And so we have a pretty important series coming up then because Michigan gets Wisconsin, I believe, at home the week after this New Hampshire series. Yeah, that's all I have for what this series means for Michigan. It pretty much put the nail in the coffin for any hopes they had of this being a a, a good team this year. Yeah, and from the MSU perspective, you, you're excited. You haven't swept Michigan since 2009. That can be a little deceiving. There's been a lot of splits. This has always been a hockey series that outside of really the Anastas years when Michigan was, you know, getting a lot of sweeps, uh, in the Ron Mason and Red Baronson era, sweeps just didn't happen. So it's it's not saying that Michigan State has been behind Michigan that bad for so long. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you get a sweep against Michigan for the first time in 10 years. That's important. That is a good thing. So uh, that's a good thing. But then you turn around and you're playing the number three team in the country this weekend at home in Notre Dame. Um, MSU had a chance to really – make a statement on the first half of their season when they hosted Cornell and they lost both games. So they turn around now and they've got a chance to do it again uh, this weekend. It's important uh, to show really just not getting swept, in my opinion. Um, Anything better than that, you start to maybe glance at the pairwise a little bit, start to dream. uh, But it's also totally possible that they go out and get swept by Notre Dame because it's just Michigan's not the team that we thought they were. So a sweep against them, uh, as good as it feels, we're still a five and five hockey team, still growing. So you gotta you gotta prove yourself against Notre Dame this weekend. They do, and that brings us into the preview, a short little preview on that series this weekend. Um, it, it's gonna be really interesting. Michigan State, though, I know it's a small sample size, but a split at Penn State in week one, and then sweeping Michigan, a road win in the Big Ten is always good. You're, you're looking at three and one right now. This is a pivotal series to see if this Michigan State team, if we're making the leap maybe a year earlier than they thought they would to competing it to be in the top half of the Big Ten, or uh, or maybe, maybe Notre Dame comes in and houses them and we're – sitting there okay maybe they'll be competing between four and five um yeah i mean it's an important series you know when you look at it too and you dive even a little bit deeper right now with michigan state where they're at they're two points ahead of minnesota who is in fourth and minnesota's played two more games so if you can at least get a couple of points this weekend whether that's a full-on split you know getting three points with a win loss or you know, finding a point or two by losing like a shootout or losing in a three-on-three, 
um, that could be enough to keep you, you know, treading water ahead of Minnesota with those extra games that you have too. So uh, I think that's got to be the goal is to come in and get some points out of the weekend. Um, continue to separate yourself from uh, both Wisconsin and Michigan for the very bottom part of the week. Because uh, if you can finish in that 3-4 spot, you get a home series uh, versus if you're in that 5-7. through seven. So, um, yeah, pretty important weekend. Uh, I don't think it's anything where it's like, oh, if you I mean, if we sweep, sure, you can start to look at <laughs> the whole Big Ten race. But um, the main thing is, I think, to hold on to that home playoff series, which is kind of my goal that I put for the team preseason, was that I wanted to see them be in contention for a home playoff series. That is very much on the table right now, uh, and avoiding a sweep would be huge to uh, to continue that. Yeah, definitely. I, I was just going to say, I think the goal here for Michigan State is get a home playoff series, um, which, by the way, if you're looking at things that are likely, I think Michigan's a little bit more likely to turn it around than Wisconsin just because of the previous success under coaching staffs. Um, it, Michigan State can finish in that third spot, Michigan can beat out Wisconsin in the basement race and get to sixth. We would have a Michigan, a, playoff Michigan playoff series, and I don't really want that, so I don't know why I'm putting this together. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that'll that'll move us on to some basketball before we go tonight. Um, we it feels like an eternity ago that Michigan State played Seton Hall and Michigan played Creighton, but because of the timing of the way we recorded the last week and a half. Uh, this is our first chance to get to those games. So uh, I guess we'll start with the Michigan State Seton Hall. That one probably is uh, has more of an impact uh, in terms of the national picture and, you know, just probably the bigger impact game because Seton Hall, I kind of discredited them when we recorded our preview of that, but they uh, they look pretty good, especially defensively, having those two seven-footers. Yeah, they're uh... – those seven footers are terrifying. Uh, they they were really rough to uh, to play against for sure. Um, for me as an MSU fan, I think the fun part was that MSU did not have everything clicking, and they were found a way to win a road game. Uh, Cassius Winston was had a rough start to the game. He definitely heated up in the second half. That was huge. Um, but you go to the under four timeout, they were trailing. Uh, and it was starting to look like it was slipping away a little bit. Uh, and then you have back-to-back great, you know, depth, you know, stepping up with Rocket Watson, a three finally, uh, and then Cassius a three on the next possession, and just the game turned right there. So I, um, I actually want to go before that sequence because yeah. there was actually only two and a half minutes left when Miles Powell hit that three that got the and one on it to go up five, yeah. he misses it and they get that on, they get their own rebound. So they're up five with the ball with two and a half minutes left and Michigan state still pulled it out. This is the most annoying thing ever because it doesn't even feel like this is a different season from last year because it, you still have Cassius there. You still have Xavier Tillman there who played pretty poorly, but then still came up yeah. big on the defensive end in the last minute twice. Yes, yeah. yeah, it feels like the same goddamn team who it doesn't matter where you're at, they're going to find a way to beat you. Yeah, that was the thing that right, right when they got their run at the end of the season last season, 
was that teams could hang with them for 30, 35 minutes, but they just couldn't do all 40. Um, and yeah, it did. It kind of kind of came to the surface again uh, against Dean Hall, especially with Miles Powell kind of having to go off the floor maybe a little more than they wanted because of the, the ankle injury that he had and trying to get him some rest on the defensive end and then reinsert him for the offense. Uh, yeah, it was it was not a great game for Xavier Tillman. He really struggled against that height inside, but he found a way to fight through a pretty rough night and, and made all the difference on the defensive end in the last few possessions. So, um, yeah, it, it's a frustrating game, I think, for the rest of the conference to watch because uh, you're exactly right. They are doing the same thing that they did before, and then they go out and blow Charleston throwing out as they should, but now you have unfortunately, maybe a confident Gabe Brown, a confident Bowie call, uh, which is probably not good for the rest of the week. Hey, man, I take your confident young guys because sure, it can end up in some tough, tough misses and dumb decisions, but I really, you, you don't really have to, until the potential championship game in Maui, you don't really have any competition that's too formidable. But I, I would take those young guys playing confident, that, like especially Malik Hall. Dude looked really, really good. Oh, it's going to be a long. What you're saying is when we have confident young guys, uh, they're going to lead for the NBA as top fours, and we're all going to tell them that we think they're going to fail, right? Is that, is that how that goes? Oh, man. Let, dude, we have a couple <laughs> months before we need to get to that. Can we can we knock it <laughs> off right now? It's November. I, I love you, Jordan Poole. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. I hate college fans in general. <laughs> the most maddening thing. Like, literally, the but, most famous one in my mind is when, like, late November, and all Michigan fans are screaming, Jabril Peppers should be top five in the Heisman. He should get the invite to New York. He gets the invite to New York. And then as soon as he declares to the draft, everybody's like, what are you talking about? You're not good enough. It's just like, you are absolutely insane. Get just – Quit. All right, so that was that was a shot by me. Yeah, oh, man. Pretty big win for your boys against Creighton, though. Oh yeah, it was good. It was a good win. It was good. They the first half they looked like absolute dog shit on the defensive end, but uh, they adjusted. Only allowed twenty seven points in the second half compared to the forty one they allowed in the first half. Um, this is a good win, especially if Michigan ends up being a five six team in the Big Ten and ends up on the bubble. This will go a long way because the people, the NCAA committee isn't going to look at that Creighton win because they're going to get better. They're getting players back, and they're going to get better this year. They're not going to look at that win and say, oh, they're missing players. They're just going to say Michigan has a home win over Creighton, and that, that's big. Um, in terms of the actual team, uh, a lot of people were kind of making fun of the three-point guard look they were putting out uh, in the first game. Well, Eli Brooks looks for real. And David DeJulius is continuing to look better. So that, that three-point guard lineup actually ended up being pretty successful against Creighton. I know Creighton's a smaller team, and it's going to feel different, uh, especially if we go further down the line when we have to go play Louisville. But um, it, it looked good for now, and it, it was a good win. Felt good. I'm not going to lie. I didn't see the Elon game at all. But uh, got Houston Baptist tomorrow night, and then you – Head down to the Bahamas for a uh, for the battle for Atlantis. Is this the one where uh, it's like in like a hotel ballroom? Oh yeah, and the, the lighting is really weird. Really weird. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna get really weird. Yeah, 
Michigan plays yeah. at noon on Wednesday. Oh, hell yeah. A little I mean, Premier League-style action for your college football. I mean, I'm lucky because it's the day before Thanksgiving. I don't have class. Don't have to go to work till 4. It's been funny, actually. I've seen that game on the schedule for so long and been thinking about if I was going to try and stream it in class or what I was going to do. And then last week I was just sitting there. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> that a boy. Oh, you, yeah, that's, uh, that's a fun one. I always love the uh, I always love the holiday stuff. Like I love GLI. Mm-hmm. Uh, being right around New Year's, I love like the basketball, like the Maui and stuff, right around Thanksgiving. The, it's uh, it's a good time of year. Yeah. So yeah, especially so that, when you're in college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that brings us uh, to the end. But I'm gonna leave you guys with a fun fact, something that should bring you joy, because Lord knows we don't bring you joy. Um, next week. Yeah, this is not in the notes. I'm not prepared for where this would go. <laughs> uh, next week, I was telling Jeremy, we have six straight days of either Michigan or Michigan State playing football or basketball. And for those of you who can't enjoy sports without your team winning, I'm sorry. It might get dicey. But uh, for those of us who just love having it around, I, I can remember sitting at my house in July thinking, when, oh, when will the sports come back? These are the stretches that you dream of. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, MSU's in Maui. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Michigan's in the Bahamas for a battle for Atlantis. And then Saturday, both teams play football. It's going to be a great stretch. Should be fun. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be previewing have, all on Sunday. You even have some hockey on BTN in there, too. So. Yeah, we do. So it'll be. So it's going to be a good stretch here. Yeah. Enjoy the turkey. A, and... Yeah. We'll have a preview for it all on Sunday. We're looking to record in the morning or afternoon. Um, and we'll be recapping this weekend's football as well as previewing all of the best. And, well, we'll be recapping this weekend's football and hockey and then previewing the weekend basketball that we'll have coming up uh, and quite possibly some football stuff depending on our uh, recording schedule with the holidays coming up next week. So, uh, that's it for us. Pretty big episode. Uh, Jeremy, you have any parting thoughts for the people? No, no. Uh, it worked out well. We each got to find some joy uh, and got through our week. Um, just pray for us when we get to basketball, and that's the only thing going because uh, that, uh, that could be what breaks us up. <laughs> no, we'll never break up, Brandon. We're forever. Of course, of course. So with that, folks, uh, I will leave you with something. I'm a bit of a philosopher. This has nothing to do with sports, but I want to leave you with something I discovered today. This tweet did not get enough attention. And a very fine alternative to dine and dash is eat and eat. <laughs>